millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. 
now. NobleGoldInvestments.com Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. What's up, guys? Happy Tuesday. Well, could it be the end is nigh for the corporate news or will cronyism carry them through? That is my question, and uh, I'm excited to have Chris Irons on with me today. Uh, he's the podcast host for Quoth the Raven, QTR podcast, uh, has a very successful Substack as well, finance, finance expert, but he's really becoming an, a media expert, I think. He just wrote a super viral post about Joe Rogan, great insight on the future of media, really important topic in 2022. Uh, so I'm about to bring him on live to talk about this. But before I do, shout out the sponsor of my content today, which is Virtual Shield, a newly discovered software flaws, possibly the most critical vulnerability of the last decade for anyone with an internet connection device. This software vulnerability grants hackers, spies, and criminals easy access to customer data off of countless uh, enterprise-level websites. Your privacy is in your hands. That's why I use Virtual Shield every time I connect to the Internet. Virtual Shield helps protect my online data from hackers, data mining companies, my mobile carrier, and my Internet service provider. This month, I partnered with the creators of Virtual Shield to give my audience 50% off for life and a free 30-day trial of Virtual Shield's VPN to celebrate the new year. Just go to virtualshield.com slash i or click that link down below to start your free trial today. And with that, I'm excited to talk about the future of media and, and Joe Rogan. Uh, so let's bring on Chris Irons. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, Joe Rogan's uh, views on his podcast dwarf corporate news media ratings. And uh, I, I think the media is still in denial about the fact that Joe Rogan and other content creators are flourishing like none other. Sure. And uh, you've got some great insight in your latest, uh, your latest blog post. So, so tell me about what you've been thinking. Well, it's really it's a common sense situation. It doesn't really matter whether or not the media wants to, you know, pivot and change their business model uh, in order to try to head down the path that Rogan is forging. And by that path, I mean, just open dialogue, truthfulness, you know, not being afraid of uh, hearing out what people have to say, Socratic dialogue, and really just, you know, discussion, honest discussion with good intentions, even if it sometimes is inaccurate and sometimes is accurate to try to figure out what ultimately, you know, the best practices are going to be for you, for your community, for the human race, for mankind as a whole. It doesn't really matter whether or not the media wants to get behind that. Uh, he's forging the path and he's the leader. And so they're going to have to fall in line uh, behind him. It, it reminds me of, you know, before UFC became super popular, Joe Rogan did, did this debate on ESPN with Lou DiBella, the uh, boxing promoter, where they asked, you know, Lou, you know, are you afraid of UFC having an impact on boxing, you know, and Lou DiBella said, oh, it's got nothing to do with boxing. You know, it's like uh, it's like human cockfighting. You know, he came kept coming up with all these ideas as to why people should ignore the fact that UFC was exploding in popularity. And what Rogan said to him is, look, you know, I love boxing, but you have to come to terms with the fact that your sport 
is being swallowed. And very similarly, right now, the mainstream media has to come to terms with the fact that their industry is being swallowed. And, you know, Rogan gets the, gets the views. He has the, uh, the, the viewership. He has the support of Spotify. And there are several engines that continue to power him. One is, you know, the capitalistic engine, right? He brings b- viewers wherever he goes. So he's going to be a tough guy to cancel. Somebody, I think it was the New York Times, wrote an article that said, okay, he's uncancelable, uh, which is great. Uh, common sense, which is something that the entire nation needs to revert to, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, legacy media has really gone down a path with the COVID narrative, with the narrative over the last, you know, five, six years, uh, the political narrative that is with one story after the next, making them look foolish and making them, you know, what little credibility they have left just kind of fall off. And, you know, look, I don't think that if you asked Joe Rogan five years ago, like, you know, do you want to be Mr. Like mainstream media? Do you want to be the guy that has to go out and ask these questions? Like, do you want to be the next Larry King? You'd probably just be like, no, you know, I just want to shoot the shit here in a studio with my friends. But it just so happens that because he comes by it honestly, because he inquires to the truth and he does it with good intentions. He's not, you know, he's not serving anybody. He's out there legitimately trying to find answers to fringe questions um, that, you know, those are the grounds that for either because they don't have the courage to do it or because it doesn't serve their uh, doesn't serve their sponsors or their bosses, something that the mainstream media doesn't do. So the point of the blog post is that the mainstream media is already losing the fight of its life. And, and the big prediction that I make is that in the coming year, they're going to have to make some enormous marked pivots to the way that they report and, and really change what's considered to be uh, news reporting or else, you know, capitalism is going to have their way with them. The consumer is going to, you know, listen to people like Joe, they're going to tune into your show. They're going to tune in elsewhere because no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you know, you can't be bamboozled over and over and over again and keep coming back. At some point, you know, and I write in my article, the tie that binds 7 billion people on earth right now is COVID. And no matter who you support politically, we all want the same things. We want to be informed about COVID. We want to do what's best for our family, for our friends. We want to do what's going to bring us the best quality of life. We want to help our loved ones, uh, you know, and we want to help our communities we generally have common goals here that that span across political aisles. You know, the media got away with it for five years because half the country hated Donald Trump. So it was OK. You know, at least that half of their viewership kind of hung on. Um, but now covid has become the vein that has opened up, you know, the vessel for people that are seeking honest answers through open dialogue uh, for them to get in. And that's what I think is happening here. And that is what I think is going to help catalyze this big change in the coming year. Yeah. So there's, there's your Twitter on screen there with uh, 
your blog post were referring to. I tweeted the link to this article you wrote and I got like 4,000 retweets, which I normally don't get that many retweets, but I think this resonates. This article resonates with so many people who, who are, uh, I mean, there's so many people who've really just been forced to open their eyes about the fact that maybe we need to take the mainstream media corporate news with a grain of salt because uh, some of their spin has been more obvious than ever before in this past year. And um, I'm not going to show your whole, whole article because it has all the trigger words that YouTube uh, deletes videos for. I'm trying to maintain my YouTube myself. But, you know, the I word, you know, and talk talk of the drug, the I word. Yeah. What, I mean, that's that's um, Joe Rogan really investigated that topic when the media was just so blatantly propagandist about it. And that's one thing that you, you hit on, but uh, I wrote another article too. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not, but I wrote another article talking about the mainstream media's coverage of that story. And, you know, look, that that was before Rogan had Sanjay Gupta on his podcast and he kind of handled it there and got his mea culpa. But the point of the article that I wrote after that happened was to point out the fact that the coverage is so blatantly untruthful and it leaves you to this place where you have to wonder like, is this just nefarious or is this ignorance at a level that, you know, that we've never seen before? Because look, obviously I'm not the smartest person in the world, but you know, I've done enough reading and enough critical thinking on my own to come to what I believe are conclusions far closer to objective truths than the mainstream media has been able to arrive at. Um, something that, you know, Rogan does on his podcast through encouraging this open dialogue that he's had. Um, and it's showing the media, it's, it's showing their true colors to people. These are examples that aren't really political. These have to do with human health. They have to do with a pandemic that affects 7 billion people and not an election that affects 80 million, right? So when you come out and make such a brazen misstatement, you know, like that Joe Rogan is taking veterinary medicine, <laughs> when all of the evidence and everything that he said and five minutes worth of critical thinking would go to show you that that isn't the case, that that isn't what happened, People are left to wonder what's really going on here. And it, it transcends both sides of the political aisle. And it just gets in for people that are using a modicum of common sense. And so that was really the first thing that kind of set me off. You know, then I watched the, the Robert Malone interview, which is kind of what inspired me to write the piece that I wrote. I was just out for a jog, just thinking like, you know, things are going to have to change um, if there's something that I know a little bit about, it's business and capitalism and what drives and affects change in industries. And, you know, media is an industry, just like pharmaceuticals are an industry, just like automotive is an industry. Media is an industry. And, you know, industries are generally beholden to where they make their money. Um, and so capitalism and the free market are going to force changes because of, you know, as a negative consequence of the actions that the media has taken over the last year, not only just blindly towing 
whatever narrative they're given in the absence of any critical thought um, and the censorship of people that even suggest looking at the other side of the coin. Um, but, you know, in the process, kind of offending the everyday person that's just out there looking for information so that they can do what's best for them and for the people that they love. And, uh, and I think, you know, the shift in legacy media is going to be a consequence of that. It'll be driven by, it'll be driven by capitalism. It'll be driven by, you know, there's a reason that Spotify hasn't canceled Joe Rogan, right? You know, like they're a big tech company. Why haven't they canceled him? Because they invested in him. Well, why did they invest whatever hundreds of millions of dollars in him? Because he brings people to the table. He brings listeners. He brings millions of people there. And that equates to ad revenue for Spotify. It equates to viewership that the stockholders like to see, right? So that that same engine that's keeping him there is what's going to force the change elsewhere. And by the way, you're already seeing it with CNN. There was an article in November of last year that said that they are going to rebrand and reformat a lot of their network. They've you know made certain promotions and then I guess ostensibly are letting some people go as a result of trying to revert back to somewhat of a traditional news format. And, uh, you know, to, to watch Sanjay Gupta on Rogan's podcast, barely, barely be able to admit that his network said what they said about the drugs that he was taking to barely, you know, after, I mean, he really had to push him on that. Here's what they said, you know, just goes to show you, that's like one of the first cracks in the dam and people see that it's going to be a flywheel that feeds on itself. You know, viewers will go elsewhere and the legacy media will be forced to revert to a different model. Yeah. Well, looking at this graph, uh, just posted by uh, Anthony Pompliano. I mean, if you, this is why CNN needs to restructure because they're at the bottom of this yeah. list of ratings right here, just tiny, dwarfed in comparison to Joe Rogan. More, more than he has more than ten times the ratings of CNN prime time, and uh, triple the ratings of Tucker Carlson, the highest-rated cable news uh, personality. So, uh, this this is what we're talking about in regards to capitalism forcing a change. I mean. Joe is cashing in and this, this corporate news framework isn't really working. Um, yeah. Oh, I included this tweet down below. Uh, Google owns Joe. If the powers didn't want him to be here, he, he wouldn't be, he's a tool of the powers to divide us. Hence getter. Okay. So I think, you know, obviously YouTube doesn't like what he's been putting out in his content lately. I mean, they deleted the Robert Malone video, but here's, sure. here's the, uh, I think, give me your take on this. I think that the, um, the capitalism, uh, kind of quandary that YouTube is in now is like, if they delete uh, a powerhouse like Joe Rogan, like his audience is going to follow him to what other, other video platform is out there. And, and and Rumble's on a come up right now. So, I mean, if he switches to something like that entirely, they really will start to see a chipping away of their audience. Do you think that's why they haven't? Um, I think Google, look, I think Google is such a large company. Alphabet, their parent company, is such an enormous company. And uh, it's such a giant conglomerate that I think even if he were to leave, I don't think it would be uh, meaningful to them in terms of ad revenue, in terms of viewership. Uh, YouTube is gargantuan. 
uh, Google as a company is gargantuan. Uh, and so I don't think it would be that meaningful, but I do think that the optics of that would do far more harm than good, similar to the, you know, the optics of when one of these big tech companies chooses to ban uh, or censor, you know, somebody like Dr. Peter McCullough, right, whose resume is a mile long and is arguably, you know, I think he's one of the most published authors uh, in peer-reviewed journals on COVID. He has something, I think, like 51 publications. His credentials are unmatched, okay? And so anytime a giant tech conglomerate chooses to censor somebody like that, you know, that registers with people. And it doesn't even need to be about what McCullough's message is, although I would encourage people to watch that interview because I watched that after I wrote my piece. I just finished the interview today, actually, and I thought that one was uh, far more disturbing than the Malone interview. <clears throat> but it's not even about that. It's about people taking offense to the idea that they're being told that they're unable to hear from, you know, these highly qualified individuals who have opinions. I think most people want to hear from both sides. Look, I work in finance, okay? So when I go to make an investment in a company, the one thing I want to do if I'm going to buy stock in a company is I want to talk to the person that hates that company the most. I want to talk to the investing strategist at the hedge fund or at the actively managed fund that is short that name because I want to know, meaning they're betting against the company, because I want to know what the worst possible case for that company they can bring to the table is, right? You can't make an informed investing decision about anything unless you know what you know the absolute best argument for the company is and the absolute worst argument for the company is. And then for there, objectively, you can decide, do I want to own this stock? Do I want to buy it? Maybe I want to short it and bet against it, whatever. But you make your decisions from there. The important thing is getting all of the facts on the table first so that you can have kind of this broad overview of all of the data, all the arguments to examine, and then you can make your decision accordingly. And that's what will make or break you as a, an active investing manager, right? As somebody that manages their own money. It's very similar here. You have 350 million people in the United States all trying to do what's best for them and what's best for their family. And you're telling them that they can only hear one side of the story. And while it might be the side of the story that they want to hear, there are still people out there. There are people out there that, you know, that will blindly follow the government's narrative, but still want to hear the other side of the story. And people that will still be alarmed by the fact that highly credentialed experts, right, like somebody like Geert van den Bosch speaking about vaccines, somebody who's worked in vaccine research his entire life, somebody like Dr. Pierre Corey, who is actually treating COVID patients, somebody like Dr. Peter McCullough, to tell the public that they can't hear from those people, they're not allowed to hear from those people, starts to set off red flags, which then starts to set off a whole other path of questions, including, you know, but not limited to, why exactly is this happening? Why exactly, you know, do is it just the government thinking that we need to be protected from ourselves? You know, there's people out there that love that. The government does my thinking for me, so I don't have to. 
There's also people like me where that frightens me. You know, that absolutely frightens me. And then you know, what the reason I have a voice in the financial world and the reason I started a podcast and, and started writing a blog is not because I wanted to be old Mr. Financial Commentator. It's because nobody was talking to the people that I wanted to hear from in the world of finance. Even, you know, the people with expertise, the economists, the fund managers, the people with huge track records of doing well that still can't get mainstream media time because they don't bring the same opinion, the consensus opinion to the media. So just like that, you know, we have another instance here where you have experts trying to opine on what they think is best and what the public needs to know. But you have this intervention from the tech companies, from the government saying, hey, you guys are too stupid to be able to listen to both sides of the story and make up your decision accordingly. We need to protect you from this from this one set of opinions here, despite the fact that they're published authors with incredible credentials from Ivy League institutions and, you know, doctorate degrees and, you know, in McCullough's uh, case, you know, experience treating people with COVID, we, we have to put that aside. You're, you're not entitled to that side of the story. And what Joe Rogan does and the reason that he's caught on is because now I think actively he's doing it now. He's seeing who gets banned and he's saying, you know what, why don't you come on and tell me exactly what you were saying and I'll let my listeners decide whether or not you're as full of shit as the media says you are or whether or not the points that you make carry some water. And that is the secret to his success. Yeah, the filling in the blanks of, of the suppression news. I think for I think for a long time the corporate news monopoly has gotten away with using suppression tactics to snuff out, you know, just act like this topic or this person doesn't exist in order to uh direct their viewers uh, to a different conclusion. But um yeah, with the with the rise of alternative media now, it's like they they can't as much do that. And we're let seeing me just explosion. let me just give you another blatant example, okay? And and just try to examine this in a nonpartisan fashion, right? Heading into the last election, you had this whole story with Hunter Biden's laptop that reportedly turned up at a computer repair shop in Delaware, and the contents of which included, but were not limited to, you know, photographs of him in lurid poses, you know, at expensive hotels in Geneva or whatever, you know, doing various drugs with uh, his, whatever his social agenda is, is fine. You know, that's nobody's business, but his, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but it included that. And it also included, you know, business dealings that his father may have had ties to in China. And China one of was one of the big contested issues of the election because, you know, Trump was notoriously hawkish on China and the left is notoriously a little bit less hawkish on China. They, they're willing to give China a little bit more leeway. They're not going to play as much hardball with them, you know. And so this story comes out and it's published by the New York Post, who, by the way, should have won a Pulitzer for reporting on this story. And it either got reported on, not at all, with the exception of Tucker Carlson, who brought that guy Tony Bobolinsky on, which I thought was a wonderful piece of reporting to have that guy come on and, and validate those emails. But it wasn't spun in favor of the Democrats on CNN, on MSNBC, 
it wasn't covered at all. It wasn't covered at all. So here you have, you know, a piece of news that in the balance may hang some, you know, crucial points about national security that just isn't being covered. And what little coverage there was, Politico, I think, had the article that said, okay, over a dozen Intel officials has said it's Russian disinformation. Then the election happens. Trump loses the election. And voila, we find out the emails were legitimate and the laptop was real. Now, there are people on the left side of the aisle, okay, that are Biden voters, that are MSNBC watchers, that are CNN watchers, that feel slighted by that. There's not a lot of them. There's some of them that choose to be willfully ignorant, and that's fine. We're all in our echo chambers to some degree, myself included. But there are people in the center that look at that and say, wow, that's a big, big problem from the media. Like, was that, you know, was there, what was the intention of that? It couldn't have been willful ignorance, right? So something else had to be going on. And, you know, this is how this climate of distrust in the media has kind of gestated. And here we are now, again, talking about COVID, not the election that affects 350 million Americans, COVID that affects 6 billion, 7 billion people on the planet, right? And the same playbook is being run, you know, but you're seeing it everywhere. People are wising up to it. And, you know, that's just creating a funnel for people like Rogan. That just creates a funnel for him. I sent that interview, the McCullough interview, to a couple of people today, some of whom I know will probably disregard it as soon as they see it or as soon as they start listening to it, despite his credentials, and that's fine. Some of whom I know will embrace it. But the point is, I shared it with five people for whatever reason, and the same thing is going to happen to his content as long as he continues to approach things with an open mind, with the intention of creating a truthful dialogue, with civil discourse, not interrupting people every five seconds when they talk to get some kind of counterpoint in there. But for the most part, he really does a good job of towing the middle and trying to ask questions, you know, from both sides of the spectrum. And people are so thirsty. They're so thirsty for that. You know, I, I mean, <clears throat> when I started a podcast a couple of years ago in the world of financing, it wasn't because I felt like wearing a fucking bow tie every day and being Mr. Finance guy. You know, it was because I just wanted to examine some areas of the world of finance that I did. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer 
products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com fighterflare.com A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. didn't think we're getting the coverage necessary, right? And I said, okay, I'm going to start a podcast, not to make money from it, not to, you know, not for any other reason than to say, hey, I've got a thing. So when I want to talk to, you know, Peter Schiff, I could say, hey, I have a program. So can you come on? You know, nobody listens to it, but, you know, whatever. You know, I, I at least want to get it down because once it's down and it's recorded and it's on YouTube, then I feel like I've produced something and I feel like I've made inroads somewhere and have moved the ball slightly forward towards, you know, best practices for the human race, best practices for me, my family, my country, etc. And, you know, people are so thirsty just for that type of, and I get stuff wrong all the time. I get stuff wrong all the time, but I'm coming to it from a place of not having an agenda. You know, I don't answer to anybody but myself and, and the questions I want answered, you know? And so, People are so thirsty for that, that they're just pouring into independent content creators like yourself, right? You have a show. I don't know much about you. You have to forgive me. I'm not really a big like media guy. I don't know much about you, but I see that you're a former news correspondent. And I imagine you left because at some point you got tired of some kind of bullshit and that's fine. So now you have a platform and you have a hundred thousand people that follow you on Twitter 
because they know that your interest in finding out the truth is aligned with their interest in finding out the truth. And, you know, there's something about the way that you go about your business that they like. And, and that's, you know, that's a funnel that is going to continue to pour into independent content creators, not just Rogan, but the thousand people that go out and start podcasts after watching his podcast, right? He said in one podcast, one of my favorite quotes from Rogan is, you know, you don't have to be number one. You just have to be something for somebody, right? So he said that years ago when he was just shooting the shit, you know, about, about you know, the pyramids with Graham Hancock, right? And lo and behold, three, four, five, six years later, he is number one by an order of magnitude. So if you come by it honestly, that means something to people now. And people are so thirsty for that. So I think that's what's going to keep him up top and what's going to force change in the legacy media. Right. Yeah. And coming, I think he comes from kind of detached, you know, detached from outcome of, of what the truth is, just curious and down to earth. And I think people crave that. Um, I'm looking at his getter right now. There's headlines about how, Oh, he just created a getter on Sunday as an insurance policy against his Twitter. Cause Dr. Robert Malone just got deep platform. But it's unbelievable to me. I guess he has 8 million followers on Getter already. And so that's why people are saying Joe Rogan's too big to fail right now. I and- think Getter ports over your Twitter followers automatically. So I don't think I don't think he just accrued 8 million. I think because when I signed up for Getter, they ported over my, you know, 200,000 Twitter followers immediately. So Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah, he has like 6 or 7 million on Twitter, but I guess I created Getter the wrong way then because <laughs> my Getter only has 3,000 right now, which uh, is far less than my Twitter. But, uh, but people are flocking to individual content creators such as yourself. You're, I was just reading that I guess your, your podcast has 5 million listeners. Uh, I don't think it has 5 million listeners, but I've had, uh, I think I've had well over 5 billion listens. List, oh, that's um, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 10,000 subscribers on your Substack. Yeah, well over that now, thanks to uh, yesterday's article. But wow. yeah, my podcast, um, you know, I get about 30 to 40,000 listens per episode. And I, you know, there's no, I didn't set out with a PR strategy or a recipe. You know, I spent some podcast episodes talking to, you know, Mick West about debunking UFO theories. I spent some podcasts talking to, uh, you know, financial experts that I like listening to. And I spent some podcasts talking to punk rock bands from New Jersey that I listened to growing up. You know, I just talk to whoever I want about whatever I want. And, you know, if people want to listen and come along, I'm stoked on that, you know, but for me, the podcast is cheaper than paying to go to therapy. It's a little cathartic for me. It lets me put down all of the things that I have gripes with. Uh, you know, this way I don't have to download that onto a family member or, you know, an unsuspecting person sitting across the dinner table from me. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's done well. And I think it's done well because I think people are interested in just honest dialogue without without yeah. a, uh, a motive. Totally. Um, so we're seeing individual content creators get filthy rich. And I mean, it's the, the capitalism of which you spoke. 
And meanwhile, these corporate news outlets distributing uh, their revenue to all their staff. A lot of, a lot of like the little journalists are still poor, even though they work for a fancy like ABC, NBC. Uh, But so. That's why everybody's defecting to Substack. You yeah, know, that's, that's why of, I moved to Substack because I think a lot of the corporate news is still in the dark. I mean, a lot of corporate news journalists are still brainwashed. They don't realize what other opportunities for journalism are out there on alternative platforms. But end of the day, now you're—I know you're predicting that they'll be forced to make a big change. But what about the cronyism that gets in the way? Because uh, these media outlets have special relationships with the drug companies that have special relationships with the government. And all that money cir- circulates through the top, regardless of whether they're really making legitimate advertising revenue from actual viewers. Sure, you're right about that. And that's a great point. You know, the government has access to the Federal Reserve, which can print as much money as, you know, the Treasury deems that it wants at any given time is what it appears to. They're supposed to be two completely separate entities, but what it appears to look like is an absolute free-for-all where nobody cares about the money supply and nobody cares about inflation and nobody cares about the strength or the integrity of the U.S. dollar, whether or not we produce anything here in the United States. But, you know, a situation where the Fed can print money ad infinitum. And that money then goes to the Treasury in the form of purchasing bonds, uh, which gives, you know, the Treasury free reign to take that money and do whatever they would like with it, despite the fact that the country is already almost $30 trillion in debt, right? And so we are uh, creating an inflationary crisis for the middle and lower class, while at the same time, printing money ad infinitum uh, to hand to the government, which then takes it and hands it, as you said, uh, you know, in the case of like the cocaine, uh, they use it to pay for the drug company's research and development, and they use it to pre-order for scenes. And, you know, McCullough made a great point on Rogan's podcast, which is, you know, most of the time when Pfizer looks to launch a drug or any legacy pharma company does, they have to bring on a sales force. They have to pay for research and development. You know, these are, they have to pay for all the logistics of getting it out there. These are all the costs of goods sold that go into any type of uh, pharmaceutical rollout from, you know, a major company to a clinical stage biotech company that's looking to commercialize its first product. When the government, you know, subsidizes that and essentially makes uh, money available for drug companies to have zero cost of goods sold, then everything that they make goes, you know, hits the top line and falls right to the bottom line, um, which is, you know, a very sexy uh proposition if you're a if you're a drug company because it, it can really goose your earnings and uh, and can be great for your stock and for your stockholders um, so there is some crony capitalism there uh, that you do need to pay attention to uh, as you're saying but I mean you know for a company like CNN you know what their sponsorship money I guess would come from uh, you know the drug companies you see it now you can look on YouTube there's all these comp- compilations of programming sponsored by Pfizer, you know, the Rose Bowl sponsored by Pfizer, Don Lemon sponsored by Pfizer, you know, Sesame Street sponsored by Pfizer. (laughs) Um, You know, there's only going to be so much of that that can go around, though. I mean, the nation is battling an inflationary crisis. At some point, the money spigot is going to have to turn off. Um, Otherwise, we're going to hit a velocity on uh, on inflation that's going to become extremely problemsome, uh, more so than it already is. There's only going to be so much of that money to go around. At some point, 
you know, no, no matter how much the Fed intervenes, no matter how much the Treasury intervenes, at some point, it's a mathematical certainty that the free market um, and that capitalism are going to have their way with the uh, with the media. Uh, otherwise, we become China. We become a state-run media uh, and a state-run economy. Um, and I think that you know it's a slippery slope to get there from where we are right now. I don't think we're that far off. I don't think we're anywhere near where China is. Um, but I do think that the propaganda and the campaign to get vaccinated was highly disturbing. And, you know, I'm not an anti vaxxer uh, I've never had, you know, issues. I was never a flu shot guy or anything like that, you know, but my parents got flu shots and, you know, I never felt the need to be like, Hey, you know, let me tell you about that. You know, it just wasn't anything that concerned me. And, and I spend my days looking at fringe topics where there's conspiracy theories. You know, I was never really concerned about, uh, that means maybe it's from lack of being informed or maybe it's, uh, you know, just, uh, maybe it's okay to not be concerned with it. But the point is, when the co-vaccination propaganda started, it became very worrisome. It was just, it just felt unnatural. It gave me the willies. And, you know, nobody had followed the pandemic longer than I did. I was on the pandemic in very late December 2019 and early January 2020. Um, was one of the first people to sound the alarm about it, to talk about it before we had data <clears throat> on covid very, very early when cases were still being reported in China, I was saying, you know, brace yourself. We have no idea what this is. You know, I called my parents. I scared the shit out of them in early January 2020. I made them go out and get, you know, a pandemic preparedness kit. I was telling people on my Twitter account preparations that I was taking. I try to never tell people what to do, but I say, hey, I went out and bought masks and whiskey and ammo today. You know, and I, all right, 52,000 responses telling me what a psychopath I am. And then a month later, people are standing in line for toilet paper. And it's like, all right, you know. So <clears throat> at some point, I saw the data coming out of our allied nations, South Korea, Italy, et cetera, saw that, okay, this, this wasn't Ebola, at least. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't an imminent death sentence. I started to pump the brakes a little bit in terms of hysteria. And then all of a sudden, you know, as, as data kind of drove my decision to become less and less and less concerned with COVID, even though still concerned, but less and less and less concerned. Of course, the government did what it does best, which is, you know, swing in way too late and vastly overreact and, and have this massive, you know, power grab. Uh, and so uh, I don't really remember what the question was or what the point was I was trying to make. And that happens often. <laughs> but so. I mean, it, it circles back to the point of like the way um, the way the media reacted I think lost, oh, they're hysterical. lost them a lot of viewers. I mean, the, with in regards to, you know, getting it in the arm, like, and like, oh, we're not going to talk about uh, anything that could possibly go wrong. And these deaths of people after, after the jab, well, we're going to pretend that didn't happen whatsoever. Here's what if I mean. They just, if they just left, if they just said, okay, it was a small percentage of people who had bad reactions. The, the viewers would maybe stomach that better, but they're right. turning off their own audience. <laughs> Here's what I mean about common sense. Okay. In early 2020, when the pandemic first started and we were looking at the origins and, you know, look, I have the benefit 
of having worked with Chinese nationals. And one of the jobs that I previously held was helping expose U.S. listed companies on U.S. stock exchanges that were based in China and were committing fraud against U.S. investors. Uh, there's a great movie out there. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called uh, The China Hustle. That's the uh, the small company that I used to work for. It profiles uh, Dan David, who I you know who was my boss uh, and who kind of was one of the people that spearheaded efforts to try to uh, identify this fraud. So I have the benefit of having a little bit of an understanding of the ethos of the Chinese Communist Party by virtue of you know having analyzed businesses in China and, and relationships that China has had for years. I'm obviously not some, you know, CIA uh, profiler, but I think I have a little bit more expertise than probably the average person out there. And I wouldn't even call it expertise, just a little bit more insight. When China came out in early 2020 and said that this virus had started at the Wuhan seafood wet market, and that market was conveniently located, you know, a couple of miles from this level four Wuhan Institute of Virology bio lab, you know, like the guy selling fish at the market can see the lab. It's right over there, right? When I heard that, I said, ah, well, you know, came from the lab, you know, I mean, come on, right? It's like the lab, and if you, even if you didn't conclude that immediately, a reasonable person would say, that would be a great place to start looking, you know, forget about the idea that, you know, at the seafood lab, you know, a monkey fondled the fish the wrong way or whatever happened and it created this virus. Let's just go over to the lab and see what's going on first, right? That's what's known as common sense, obvious conclusion that anybody, me, you, a plumber, a bartender, you know, an astronaut, a school teacher, a six-year-old kid could come to. That's a common sense conclusion. And the fact that that was written about, first off, you know, sites like Zero Hedge got banned from Twitter for writing articles, not even drawing conclusions, just asking questions about the lab. Hey, what's going on there? You know, I think they wrote an article called, you know, is this the doctor that might be responsible for this, that, and the other thing, bang, off of Twitter, you know, immediately. And they had something like a million followers, right? You Mm -hmm. couldn't talk about it. You couldn't ask about it. You were written off as a conspiracy theorist. You were written off as a maniac. You were written off as somebody on the fringe just for suggesting that we look in the area that 99 out of 100 people, if given a map, of where the outbreak started and where the bio labs were in the country would say, here's a great place to start looking, right? And so after all of those big tech bans and all of that social media censorship that happened and all of the hooting and hollering about, you know, how all these people are passing around misinformation and all this shit, what do we find out? Well, it's likely it came from the lab. That's what we found out, you know, through a series of, FOIA requests and these kind of like, you know, officials barely admitting through their clenched teeth, like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe it came from the lab, you know? It's like, of course it came from the fucking lab. Like, what is wrong with you people? You know, and so like with something like that and, 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 the, and the laptop story, you know, 
the media is just shredding its own credibility. It's gathering everybody in an auditorium, you know, and giving them all front row seats and then just proceeding to like kick themselves in the balls over and over and over again and just ruin their own credibility in front of everybody. So, you know, things like that uh, are exactly what turns people off both sides of the aisle, just critical thinking people. So now people say, Ivory, they say, if that was the conspiracy theory then, right? If I was being told what a maniac I was then for asking what I think are the most common sense questions available, and then it turns out that that's the truth, what's going on now that I think are common sense questions that need to be asked that I'm being told that I'm ridiculous for that we're going to find out in 12 months are the questions we should have been asking and should have been getting honest answers to all along. Exactly. I think this is what has created so many conspiracy theorists in America who were never conspiracy theorists before because they they're learning so much is suppressed. There's so much that they don't know. That they're, it's they're not just jumping. It's in. not conspiracy theory, though. It's just a search. It's just a right. search oh. for the truth. You know, it's a search for honest that, well, that's, information. That's what it is. That's what conspiracy theorists are. I think it. Yeah, there's too much of a negative uh, identification of that term. It comes down to truth seekers, people who are, are more curious, far sure. more curious than the mainstream media journalists. You know, my blog is called Fringe Finance because mm -hmm. somebody wrote that in one of my podcast reviews that like they were insulting me or something, you know, like I sit at home and read like iTunes, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, this guy in Arizona doesn't like me, whatever, you know, but he wrote, this is Fringe Finance, you know, and left me like a one star. I'm like, all right, great. But I'm just <laughs> thinking like, you know, it is, <laughs> it is because what I'm looking at is I'm trying to look at the issues that are on the fringe. They're not being discussed. A lot of them are bullshit. A lot of them are wrong, but not all of them are, you know, and nobody is sorting through the things on the fringe. You know, people buy into crazy conspiracy theories that are way out in left field that don't have any, you know, basis in reality whatsoever. You know, like chemtrails, right? Like, I'm going to piss off probably a lot of people with that. But, you know, that's, I think that's bullshit. But also, like, you know, people also take what the government gives them and they accept it without questioning it. So who's going to sort through all the muck to find out, you know, the truth that this thing came out of a lab that we were all entitled to in 2020? When we were making our decisions, how to feel about the virus, how we were going to, you know, what precautions we were going to take, what political leaders we wanted handling the, the virus uh, response, those types of things. You know, that's information that we were entitled to then. And it's insulting for people to have called people that ask regular common sense questions conspiracy theorists, you know. So I don't mind being labeled fringe finance you know, my track record of getting things right and identifying things that the mainstream media doesn't identify stands on its own. And either way, that's fine. If you don't like me, I don't care. You know, it's like, all right, it doesn't make or break me. You know, I'm a very happy person with or without my Internet presence. Um, you know, but the point is you have to get the information out there and allow it to be discussed. 
you know, perfect examples, right? We're talking about how great Joe Rogan is and how great his show is, you know, he has Graham Hancock on all the time, an author, you know, I read fingerprints of the gods, which is Graham Hancock's book like 20 years ago, you know, and I was like, well, it's a very compelling argument, you know, before I like understood, you know, the objective scientific method and all these other things. And, you know, when he had him on, I was like, oh, great. He's finally looking at this stuff, you know, and then I did a lot more reading and I found out that there's a lot of things of his that I don't agree with, you know? And so does that change the fact that like, I appreciate that Joe had him on so that he could flesh out his thoughts? No, because it was him fleshing out his thoughts on things that allowed me to make the case for why I don't really buy a lot of the things that I used to buy from him. You know, Bob Lazar is another great example, right? Guy that claims to have worked at area 51, you know, widely regarded kind of as a, as a conspiracy theorist, but there's a lot of people out there that say, all right, well, this guy really did work at, you know, this place S4 out in area 51. So the question becomes, you know, is he lying or is he telling the truth or is it somewhere in between? Well, the only way we're going to be able to get to that is to get this guy talking and to, you know, get, get as much information to thatch as much information from him as possible, get it all on the public record. It's like a deposition, right? So Rogan has the guy on and then, you know, based on what he said on his podcast versus what I knew about him prior. And in addition to the movie that was made about him and the book that he wrote, and then popular arguments against him by people like Stanton Friedman, you know, Mick West, other debunkers, you know, I was able to make up my mind that, oh, okay, you know, I think he probably worked at Los Alamos and, but, and I think maybe he even probably worked out at Papoose Lake, but I don't think he did what he claimed that he did. Right. So oh, I was able to man, arrive. He had me fooled. What's that? He had me fooled. You're saying he. Well, he might still be right. I'm just telling you my opinion. <laughs> and I'm just saying the beautiful thing is I'm able to reach my personal opinion and right. make my argument based on all of the information that's out there, you know? And this is like how academia was supposed to work. You're supposed yeah. to have free reign to all this data and you're supposed to put it in to my, you know, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville blender that is my brain and turn that thing on and you're supposed to be able to pour out kind of what my thoughts and assumptions are on things based on the evidence and the way that I can analyze it. And then people can, you know, judge me on my analysis, uh, you know, and they can like me or dislike me based on that. And that's how it's supposed to work. That's how we're yeah. supposed to figure things out. But when you're censoring huge portions of the story, whether you're talking about, you know, UFOs and, and the USS Nimitz incident, or you're talking about COVID, or you're talking about a laptop with pictures of Hunter Biden's ass on it. It doesn't matter. You have to have access to all the information to be able to draw objective conclusions without biases. And that, again, is where I think Rogan is a, is a wonderful tool because he shines a light into a lot of those dark spots. Exactly. And you probably don't know that your last sentence was quoting something that mainstream journalists used to say all the time, uh, that shine light and the people will find their way. Sure. So you illuminate everything and people can pick up what's true. And, uh, and corporate news has cast that out and, uh, it appears they may be dying because of that. And I, I was, I loved your optimistic prediction. I think that, you know, journalism is needed, but not in, not in the way we're seeing it in the corporate news right now. And, uh, but anyway, people like yourself are becoming journalists, even though you, you don't call yourself journalist. 
because you're collecting information um, that empowers people to make decisions about their lives. And a lot of it does end up being true information, which is, that's what they're looking for. So, you know, I, I just discovered you on, um, it was new year's weekend in Miami. I was on a yacht and these people on the yacht, You've got some. Uh, <laughs> you've got some rich viewer, listeners, okay? <laughs> you got some rich listeners. Anyway, they passed your podcast on to me, so um, I hope you continue to grow. You get you have a big audience that it sounds like, and your Substack just started in twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've linked your Substack down below. Um, any final thoughts you wanna leave my viewers with? Nope. Think for yourself and thank you very much for having me on. Think for yourself. Okay, I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com.